Alright, it's been a minute, but we're finally back. Down in distance, Brandon Ross, Tara Lynch here with you. Tara, it's, again, it's been a couple months, so how you been holding up through all of this? You know, I'm in Connecticut, so we're doing okay. Uh, Connecticut has been, I think, one of the better states in terms of getting their uh, positive COVID rates down. Uh, so that's really great. Uh, keep wearing your mask. You know, it's working. We're doing the right things. So just trying to uh, just to kind of wait out the storm here, if you will. Uh, last week didn't really have a lot of power. We had that tropical storm come through. Yeah, not great. Yes. So, yeah, that was not a not a fun time, but uh, we made that through. And if we can make it through that, you know, we'll make it through this as well. So how are you doing down in uh, in New York? Well, I'm doing OK. I'm very lucky in that. My town, so Westchester County is the county directly above New York City, and I'm very fortunate in that I, I'm in the town with the fewest cases in the entire county. We've had 29 cases total, and I don't believe we've even had a single one in more than a month. So wow. I, where I am, we, we are like very much safe, and what helps is the fact that our town actually has a four-acre property minimum requirement. So everyone, like sort of by mandate, has to be very far apart from one another so that really helps it and yeah I also had to deal with the storm power outages we didn't have it for I think about three days um we had a good generator running though it didn't really make work very easy because I had to connect remotely but nonetheless we made it work we're both spending the summer working for our high school so that's I'm sure been an interesting experience for the both of us uh but now we can finally get back into talking about football and today we're gonna dive into the topic that I think is on everybody's mind right now, and that's the uncertainty surrounding the college football season. Reports are coming out that the Big Ten is hasn't made the official call yet, but is basically ready to call off fall sports. Pac-12, supposedly in a similar boat per Yahoo Sports. ACC, SEC, Big 12, not ready to make any decision yet. They're going to try to wait it out. But things are not looking fantastic in the college sports world. And things really started to unravel when you look back and, you know, a lot of people are citing the Mac, but let's go back even farther. The Ivy League canceled. Um, they were one of the first major conferences in D1 to suspend fall sports. And then, you know, you fast forward a couple of weeks last week, the Mid-America Conference canceling fall sports and thus, you know, the football season. So you look at those teams and the schedule implications of, you know, say uh, Kent State or a Buffalo playing somebody in a power five, you know, then the power five schedules get more messed up. So uh, that's also a lot of unraveling. Also, UConn canceling their football season. I was about to say you skipped UConn before in that first statement. Well, you know, I wasn't going chronologically, but I was going by conferences first. Uh, Got it. Who would have the most impact making, you know, the schedules a little more complicated. And then UConn doesn't have UConn, a conference. They don't have a conference. They are independent uh, after – UConn moved to the Big East, of course, no football in the Big East, so they went independent. Um, and then you look at other independent schools, Notre Dame joining the ACC for their football football schedule. Um, they, of course, are in the ACC for every other sport except for football in which they are independent. So lots of moving around, lots of shifting. So we'll see um, what happens. Of course, you know, the, by the time we, we're talking about this, the Big Ten is meeting and uh, the Pac-12 is meeting. So you know, things could be changing really quickly. And, you know, what's fascinating and what seems to be the thing that's sort of accelerating those conferences who have made the call is the medical advice. And perhaps the best story I saw was with the cancellation of the Mid-American Conference. Uh, 
supposedly what happened is the president of Northern Illinois, who, by the way, is an infectious disease expert. Keep that in mind. Infectious disease expert in the middle of the pandemic. Basically, I don't know if it was exactly an ultimatum he gave, but basically said something along the lines of whatever you guys decide, we're not playing. And his input apparently changed a lot of minds in the conference and basically led to that vote to cancel fall sports. And Big Ten is getting similar advice from their doctors. Reports from the Pac-12 overnight are that recent medical advice has been eye-opening. And the big thing that I think seems to be shifting the pendulum here is not necessarily the death risk factor or the serious case risk factor. It's even if you get it and it's not a serious case, the potential for heart damage, which is a lingering possibility. We saw that in MLB with Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox. He may never pitch again because of this. And it's really difficult, I think, in college sports especially to play because there's an added component that you're on a campus, you're around thousands of other kids who aren't athletes, um, and there's just a really high risk of rapid spread. So I think it's also a college and university decision when you look at that. And, you know, at the same time, you can ask yourself, well, you know, the NHL is making it work. The NBA, WNBA, MLS, list a bunch of other leagues. They're making it work okay. And if they get a case, they isolate and whatever. But I'd encourage you to look at the MLB. That is one of the biggest leagues that's actually playing in their home areas. And there have been some major outbreaks and it's easier to isolate a professional team, even if they're playing in their home environment and not in a bubble, it's easier to isolate them, keep them away from people. When you go to a college campus, you know, the the star quarterback could be living right next to you. And, you know, he just traveled to whatever college uh, across the country and who knows what the situation is there and could have contracted it on the plane. Who knows? Like, you really have no idea. And it's much, much, much more difficult to say, well, let's have a college football bubble. There are way too many teams and way too many players to do that. Well, feasibly, it's possible. But that would require the NCAA to admit that it should pay them, and they will never do that. Uh, But the thing that I find fascinating is that, uh, again, with MLB, it's, it's a very complicated situation. Cases are breaking out, and because of the non-bubble factor, you're starting to see players get a little careless. MLB has started to put security officials in team hotels. And the other day, they caught Zach Plezak and Mike Clevenger of the Cleveland Indians walking out of the team hotel, which you're not allowed to do. And now they're being quarantined and isolated from the rest of the squad. And now they've just put their team at a heavy disadvantage. And, of course, with the Astros already the most hated team in baseball... Alexine Drone, one of their coaches, basically causing a massive fight that might cause both teams to face all sorts of hell to pay come down the road because that's probably the most dangerous thing that's happened in MLB this year without question there being any sort of fight. But I've hated that I've seen this argument from some people. I saw this particularly from this one guy who works for Fox Sports named Aaron Torres who said it doesn't make sense that someone can go to college classes and not play football. I'm sorry, do I usually tackle people or block people in my econ class? And are those people from another school? I don't think so. And you can't wear a mask playing football. You can't social distance playing football. It just literally isn't possible. I think it's definitely a lot easier in a classroom environment to say, you know, let's space people out. Let's space out the desk. You know, you could do that in a restaurant. 
that's how I would compare it to, you know, you're not touching um, the wait staff at a restaurant. You're not touching other patrons or, or having that physical contact like you would in a football game. So those types of indoor environments can really be regulated and managed by lots of people. Um, a football game, yes, it's regulated and managed, of course, by the referees, but you know, you're going to be, say you're an offensive lineman, you're lining up right across from somebody and you're both breathing really heavy because you probably both just ran out onto the field or you just had a play. So now you're on second down, you got to go up against each other again and you're right here. So when you are that close to somebody, um, that's the risk as well. Not only tackling people and whatever, all the other contact that is involved in the sport, but also those shared spaces and team hotels, students leaving, student athletes leaving the hotels. And there's a lot more of them. There are a lot more college football players on the team compared to say the NFL. Uh, their rosters are much larger. So it's a lot harder to manage that amount of people and herd them in the right direction. 85 scholarship players for team with walk-ons that usually exceeds 100, even 120 sometimes. It gets really complicated to try to manage that. And on top of that, you've seen all these other sports come back. None of them carry the same contact and spread risk as football. The only possible exception is basketball, but again, they're bubbling. And there have been players who have faced consequences for violating the sanctity of said bubble. And they have put other players at risk, and they have been punished accordingly. And fortunately, they've been able to keep that from spreading. Football, that becomes exponentially tougher. Because the second you get one case, given the size and proximity of football players, that's not going to be one case. That's at least five. And then five becomes ten. And then ten becomes twenty. And here's the thing. Even if you get tested twice a week, like the ACC says they will be doing for their athletes, Say they do a test, so the policy is within 72 hours of game time. You could get COVID on a Tuesday, have the test be on a Wednesday, but you won't test positive because it hasn't fully metastasized yet and it hasn't kicked in yet. And when it does, you could very well be on that football field on Saturday getting in the way of other people and you may be fine if you have COVID. The other guy next to you might be fine. But who's to say the other guy on the other side doesn't get a heart condition? Who's to say the other guy doesn't end up in the ER? Who's to say another guy doesn't end up dead? And this is all, of course, sort of wildly speculative, but this is reality. They're young, but they're not invincible. They're strong, but they're not invincible. No matter what their strengths or weaknesses, they are not invincible. And we've seen that across the country with with particularly young people who are having those large gatherings, right? People who are younger, no matter if they are a division one athlete or just a regular 20 year old, they're going to these parties, they're getting the virus because they're around so many people. And then, you know, it can just really ramp up so quickly. And young people are going into the hospitals. It's, it's, we're not invincible. I'm turning 20 this year. So, you know, to me, I don't think of myself as invincible. I think of myself just having the same amount of risk as anybody else. So it's important that we keep that in mind and, and football players as well. But if you're putting the players in a position to get sick, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's a hard decision to make. I wouldn't want to be a college administrator right now. I wouldn't want to be a conference administrator right now. I think that 
it's truly Amen. a difficult decision when you when you look at the uh, the financial implications as well. Um, it's just it's a really tough call. I think you know we're talking about football, so if we transition to the NFL really quickly, I think it's a lot easier to have an NFL season again. You don't have that college campus aspect. You don't have that um, going to class and potential contact in the hallways um, that you know you would have on a college or university campus. So I think it's a lot easier for um, you know any NFL team to send their players home and bring them in as they have started to do with uh, training camps uh, in August. Now I will say in regards to the college thing, a lot of college players already did take most of their classes online. I'm sure this has only accelerated that trend, and I'm sure most coach there are a lot of coaches that are putting a mandate of if there's a class that can be taken online, take it online. I would not be surprised if that is a thing. But also, again, you mentioned it, our generation is being quite dumb in the face of this pandemic. Uh, there's a town between you, there's a couple towns between you and us, Greenwich and Darien, Connecticut, and Fairfield County, where a bunch of kids from there went to, the, went to I, I think, Nantucket, went to this massive party, and they brought back like 30 cases. Come on, really? Yeah, I mean, that's tough because it's summer, you know, of course, you know, you want to be gathering with your friends and, and all of that. It's just it just makes it that much harder. I think when you're a college athlete, because there is there could be that social pressure that could be that there could be a pressure from another teammate to do something. And, you know, when you have players who are trying to go professional and go into the NFL or the CFL or another league, it, it it's a challenge, you know, and it's already challenging to make those right decisions as a young person. So it just makes it that much harder. Um, but I think it's super interesting how some of the top players are opting out. They are citing, you know, we'd rather get ready for the draft on our own and maybe boost our draft clout that way or, you know, protecting our families. And then there are other players who are saying, no, like this is the way to the draft. You know, I need to be playing football. Um, I need to be on that field. So it was really interesting to see who's opting out, who's staying in, and all of that. And of course, you know, the money going into these conferences and these colleges is uh, is a big factor as well. And they're going to try to play you know, as much as humanly possible. Some people are going to come to conclusions at different points than others, but you've already seen some big names. Micah Parsons, a linebacker at Penn State, projected top 25 pick, he's opted out. Uh, defensive tackle from Pitt, a possible first rounder, he's opted out. So it'll be interesting to see how many opt out, but we're also seeing a great movement of players, like you mentioned, who really want to play. And we saw this really come into effect a couple of days ago with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields sort of spearheading that we want to play movement out into the atmosphere of the sports world. And a lot of people are receptive to it. And I see it. And here's what I see. I see very good arguments. I see a lot of things that are important. Players should have more of a voice. They are really, they have really been left out of this entire process, and it's really sad. The fact that they haven't really been talked to in the course of all of this planning is honestly despicable because they're the workers that are making the conferences and the school's money. That said, the idea that playing is a mandate, quote-unquote, full stop, the best way forward, isn't necessarily a reality. And I understand the strong desire to play. I understand the, the willpower to want to go out on the field and win a national championship 
and consciously take risk. But that said, there's so much unknown. And there's also such an idea that is really kind of problematic. Trevor Lawrence really started this a few days before that statement came out with a little bit of a thread as to all of the risks of canceling football. Mental health-wise, people being sent back home. That's the first thing I want to tackle. Trevor Lawrence seemed to give the indication that, you know, all these players are going to be sent home to worse environments. I didn't know canceling football automatically meant canceling classes. And even if classes are all online, that doesn't mean you have to go home. You still have campus housing. There's no mandate that says you have to go back. If you're safer in Clemson, South Carolina than whatever home is, you can stay in Clemson. There's... They're still having in-person classes. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Now, obviously, there's the mental health aspect, and that's true. But do you really think playing through a pandemic isn't also going to be a huge mental health tax? And also, by the way, mental health should be a greater focus regardless of the circumstances, both for football players and just for people in general, because that's something that's really taken a hit during this pandemic and needs to be further addressed. But Trevor Lawrence has sort of started this idea that There is a greater health risk to not playing than playing. And that's just, on face value, absurd. Yeah, I don't know that I quite agree with him. I definitely understand that he wants to play. Of course, I think any college football player wants to play. Um, Even the ones that have opted out. I, I don't think that they wanted to abandon their team or you know, take this time off or, or whatever the, the sayings might be out on social media. But I look at a guy like Caleb Farley from Virginia tech. He's a junior. He wants to declare for the draft. He's one of the best cornerbacks in college football um, projected late round pick by ESPN in the first round, but his mom died in 2018 from cancer. I watched an interview with him on the today show last week when he made that announcement and he just cited that, you know, with his past experience and and he didn't with his mom passing two years ago from cancer, he didn't want to affect anybody else in his family. He didn't want to bring that back home uh, to his dad or to any other family member um, who could be maybe in that age bracket that is at higher risk for, you know, complications from COVID. And he also just said, you know, I'm going to train right now for the draft. That's my focus. And that's where I want to be. So, I'm working towards April. I've decided to, you know, opt out of playing for Virginia Tech and his coaches were supportive of him. So I think that there's definitely other options for college football players, um, especially those that are looking to declare for the draft in in April. Definitely. There's there's no question about it. Everyone should. And it seems like most coaches are going with the approach of if they opt out, there will not be judgment. They will be supported. And like it's not necessarily like they're going to be happy for them opting out. But they're not going to judge them making that call either. And that's important, making sure that, that uh, if you are going to go forward, that you, they understand that it will not be held against them if they do. And a couple of updates coming through as we're talking right now, like live as we're recording the show, not necessarily live as you're listening. But uh, UMass just canceled its football season. They're another independent team. Uh, so they're also going to try to play in the spring. And per uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, their medical experts have given the green light. Now, I don't know what medical experts they're talking to because that's the region of the country that's probably getting hit hardest at the moment. But 
hey, if their medical experts say green light, they got the green light, and they can keep going. Um, what's fascinating is, uh, since the plan is to go forward for a good number of these conferences, I've been fascinated to see how some of them are operating. I'll, I'll talk about how uh, I've seen Syracuse operate. And what's funny is I have a plan for me and my friends when I go back to school this semester because Syracuse still has in-person classes. So I have my house. There's four people. We have a friend's house where we're friends with everyone there. That's three. And then we have a scattering of few friends who all live together for a total of 12 people. That is our bubble. We will stay in that bubble when it comes to having masks off and not social distancing. Outside of that, masks distance at all times. And that's sort of what Syracuse is doing. They're having their players operate in quote-unquote pods that from the beginning of training camp to now have expanded ever so slightly. Uh, they've been conscious and tracking of how every player uh, has been spending their time in and outside of practice so they can be conscious of who they put with who. If you're not following the rules, you do not get to room with the quarterback. Case closed. Uh, so... I like that idea, and I think there are ways that are being made innovative to make this season as safe as possible. Is it safe enough? I don't think so. And keep in mind, we are not rooting for the season to be canceled. You can want to play football or want football to be played and think it's not safe. Those are not mutually exclusive ideas. But saying that, there are a lot of schools who are taking this seriously and who are really taking good steps for if this season does happen, they will take it in as safe an approach as humanly possible. And winter athletes are doing very similar things when it comes to those pods that you were mentioning. Uh, UConn, women's basketball, I was watching a story about them the other day. They're doing the same things. And that's a basketball team that is much smaller than a college football team or an NFL team or an MLB team. They're typically a lot smaller. So they're even working in pods trying to keep you know, the same players together, the same players practicing together, um, living together, all of that. So I think that, especially for winter sports, as we kind of look a little bit past college football and the fall sports season, they're really in the uncertainty because they don't know what's going to happen. But I think a lot of players and coaches are trying to take as much precaution now so that maybe we can have a winter season and then hopefully a spring season and maybe college football in the spring. I know that would be a really weird concept to me, but uh, it might happen. So, you know, I think we have to work towards those long-term goals instead of, you know, putting our, all of our eggs in the basket of the short term, my opinion. And in regards to schools, putting their eggs in the basket of the short term, I'm seeing a Darren Ravel tweet, which, might be the most inventive thing I've ever seen. I, I, I will censor this phrase for the sake of the pod listeners. So Boston University has filed a trademark application in its process for promoting safety amongst its student body called F it won't cut it. So interesting approach. So all these schools are doing really the best they can to make sure their students are taking this seriously and programs are taking this seriously. We don't know what COVID will look like a few months from now. We can guess. Most experts say just with flu season coming about in October, November, it's just by nature very likely that COVID will spike as well. We don't know that, but we have to be conscious of that. And if we take the steps now to actively reduce cases, 
that is important. But we also still have people being morons out there, and we are telling you, wear a mask, social distance, be responsible, don't go to massive parties in the Hamptons, don't go to the beach with your friends, don't go to bars without a mask. That's not safe, nor smart. Don't do that. Very true. And hey, you know, another thing that is going to possibly be weird this fall, we might see the NFL on Saturdays if college football That'll be interesting. Uh, doesn't exist. So I, I read that the other day. The NFL might move to Saturdays. I don't know how true that is um, or if they'll just spread it out like they do in the playoffs a little bit. But uh, I saw that. So your weekend could be a football weekend if, you, uh, if you're if you an NFL fan more than college football. So apparently by law, NFL cannot have Saturday games until mid-December. So they would have to get some kind of exemption. But presumably if there's no college football, that won't be an issue. And I've also seen that if there is no college football, ESPN might move Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit into some of their NFL coverage, which would be interesting. I'd find that pretty fun to see the typical mainstay college football Saturday night crew move into the NFL game, which is fascinating. That was talked about early on in the Monday night football sweepstakes that if there's no college, they just might, that, might use them as a stopgap for a year. Now they have a Monday night football lineup, and that's sort of the number two team. So it'll be interesting to see how that fleshes out. And, you know, maybe game day moves to game day in the NFL. And you get to go to, you know, for me, I'm a Buffalo fan. So I think game day in Buffalo would be fairly exciting, and the fans would really appreciate that. So, hey, ESPN, if you like our ideas, uh, if you're listening, you know, feel free to take them. We're giving them away. So, game day in the NFL. Who knows? Over under 15 tables broken in the background of an NFL game day set in <laughs> Buffalo. Maybe. Maybe. I don't jump on tables, so that's not really my scene. But uh, I definitely – well, then we couldn't, we couldn't have the fan experience there because, you know, social distancing. We have to have that. But um, maybe just bringing the show on the road in the NFL might be a fun idea. Who knows? Maybe not. I could just be blowing smoke for no reason. So, hey. Well, game day is an interesting thing because, again, there's a social distance aspect, and a big part of game day is the fans being there in the background. Can you do that with fans being there in the background? Or do they do what has been sort of a stopgap emergency measure in the past and just hold game days in Bristol? If you recall a couple of years ago when, unfortunately, Jim Beheim was in that car accident that ended in the death of a man, uh, he was found not – he was not charged with anything. It was totally an accident. But that was leading into the Duke game. That was going to be game day. That, on top of Zion Williamson not playing, led them to just move it being – move the whole game day back to Bristol because it didn't feel right. So I'd be fascinated to see if that's what they do going forward with game day, whatever it is, whether it be for NFL or college given whatever happens uh, going forward. Because the NFL at this point, in my book, seems more likely than college football. But we don't know what's going to happen. For all we know, uh, conferences could keep going forward as scheduled. They could keep punting to kick the can down the road, try to start in October. We don't know. And it'll be fascinating to see how this all plays, plays out. Fascinating is a good word to use uh, because we really know nothing. Um, we are... 
you and I, we are just speculating here based on what we've seen and, and providing our opinion on the matter, but it is really a toss up at this point. Um, no clue what's going to happen. Of course, you know, as fans, we would love to see football of any form, college or NFL or both. Um, but for player safety, it you know might just be better to skip this year and to come back maybe in the spring or come back next fall. Um, and we'll really see what is going to happen. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I can't predict the future. I don't have my glass fall on me right now. But, uh, you know, I hope that we just make the best decision that's in the best interest of the players, the coaches, and the colleges and universities, if there is one. Look, I left my crystal sphere in Syracuse, too. But if you were to try to channel it right now, what would your guess be as to the outlook for the college football season before we wrap this up? I don't think it's going to happen. I think that, you know, you're looking at conferences who are pushing their start dates into well into September. Um, that's not going to be very feasible, especially when you look at, you know, a possible second wave. I watched um, World News Tonight last night with, with David Muir, and he interviewed Dr. Anthony Fauci, and he was saying, you know, we could diminish the effects of a second wave by all wearing masks and all social distancing and following the necessary precautions. But a second wave is very likely based on what we have done thus far as a country, you know, as, as all of us in the United States. So unless something really changes in terms of the whole country wearing masks and everybody taking the, the precautions um, the same way, you know, then I think maybe there's a higher likelihood of doing this and, and having a season where everyone can be successful. But until that happens, you know, I really don't see colleges and universities playing fall sports, unfortunately. So I, 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 I think if I go back into the down and distance archives, I might find myself saying this at some point in an earlier episode. I've been saying this to people ever since the spring mainly as a joke, but now it's starting to look like more of a serious possibility, a three-and-a-half conference college football season. Now, I don't think a half conference can happen. I don't think that will happen. Uh, Nebraska is currently trying to do everything it can to distance itself from the Big Ten in the case they cancel, and they really can't do that because all the TV contracts really tie them up. But I do think that at least to start, not necessarily saying that it will last. I think there's a very real, in fact, likely chance that we get three or four weeks into a college football season, things get bad, and we have to call it all off. But I think it's a very real possibility that you see maybe three or four Power Five and Group Five conferences actually going forward with the season. As of right now, it doesn't look like the Big Ten or Pac-12 are going to be amongst that crowd. That's We don't know that for sure, but that seems to be where the direction is headed. ACC and SEC seem to be all things go. Big 12, no one's really heard anything, uh, but presumption is they'll try to go forward as much as they can. Uh, the AAC does plan to move forward, so, I mean, would have been interesting if UConn was still there, but alas, they are not, and the AAC goes forward. Uh, Conference USA plans to keep playing, uh, so we'll, we'll see how this all ends out. I think there will be a start to this season. How long it goes is the main question I have. I don't think very long. I think within a month, similar to what you're seeing in MLB, there will be cases that start to spiral out of control a little bit. 
I've seen some proposals for shifting the groundwork of the season that honestly might work. I think Peter Burns of ESPN put out something overnight that looked interesting to me where it was, you start the season in October. 10 games, you spread them out with multiple weeks in between, so that way you don't have to deal with rapid schedule adjustments in the interim. Or you at least build a lot of weeks in between so that if you have to postpone, you can easily readjust. And then you have sort of your postseason in February. Now, we don't know what COVID will look like then, but that could be an interesting scenario. Give more time to see how the virus will affect campus once non-athletes make their way there. I mean, Syracuse, they started letting non-athletes on campus back about a week ago because kids from quarantine states had to wait out the 14 days and some were doing that in the dorms. There have been kids that already have gotten suspended for knowingly breaking the rules. And classes have not even started yet. There are some freshmen who got to Syracuse, broke the rules before they even took a class and are now suspended. Come on. But... At least if they postpone to October, and a delay is very much possible. A delay is also very much on the table for a lot of these conferences to see how non-athletes arriving on campus affects things. Do cases spike within the first couple of weeks? Is it under control? If it's under control, then it's more likely that they can move forward. So it'll be fascinating to see. Anyways, uh... That's definitely the biggest X factor, just quickly. Um, Non-athletes and other people around these athletes and how that will affect sports. So that's kind of why I was saying maybe no season. Now, I didn't know a delay was a possible answer here, uh, Brandon. So if there is a delay, I think maybe that could work. I think that's one of the only options that seems really feasible to have a full season. Uh, But if you're just asking me, are they going to start the first or second week of September? My answer is, uh, you know, probably uh, no for anyone. So we'll see. And fair enough, hey, look, SMU had a game scheduled with Texas State that they had moved up by a week to sort of the week zero, August 29th date, that they have now moved back to September 5th. So uh, a lot of teams starting to sort of backtrack a little bit. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I just hope everyone's staying safe, uh, staying healthy. I think, you know, if anyone is of that college age like you and I, uh, please be safe if you're going back to campus. I know a lot of students are staying home, uh, so be safe if you're staying home as well. But just try to make the smart decision, and you know, hopefully we can see sports return of any nature, college, high school, or professional. So if we do the right things, we can all make it happen. Three words. Wear a mask. It ain't hard. I'll be to two words. Mask up. There you go. There we go. Even simpler. Or just... <laughs> Mask. That says enough. It does. It does. If we make it an acronym, it'll say even more. We'll work on that for next time. We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something out. Brandon Ross, Tara Lynch, this is Down in Distance. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.